I have a fun message for you tonight. I don't know if you're going to find it fun. I found it fun. So we're going to go to number one through nine. And the title of the message is Examples. And it's going to be part one. And so I'll ask you to stand for the reading of the word with me. Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it. And his anger was aroused, so the fire of the Lord burned amongst them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tabira, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now a mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. And now the manna was like coriander seed, and its color like the color of bedelium. And the people went about and gathered it, uh, ground it on millstones, or beat it into mortar, cooked it in pans, and made cakes of it, And it taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. Mm -mm -mm. And when the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. Father, open up our hearts, our minds to your word. Lord God, we see a, a, a very strong warning, an example given to us here. Lord God, may we take it to heart. We want to live lives that are pleasing to you, Lord God. You call us to be holy for you are holy. Lord God, may we be holy in our attitudes, in our heart, in our desires, in our passions. Lord God, in our words. Father, be with us. Teach us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So what what you have here is, I mean, they complained. They lusted, okay, after the world. They were lusting for Egypt. And then you have rebellion and rejection of God's provision. Now, I want to take you to the New Testament. I want to show you a verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6 through 11. Uh, Now these things became our examples. What we're reading tonight in Numbers is an example to us. Uh, To the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play it's talking about when they made the molten calf in, uh, in Exodus. No, let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. No, let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. We'll be looking at that in the upcoming weeks. Nor complain, okay, and now we're right here, right in the passage, or complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happen to them as examples, okay, And they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So here is is an example to us. Now, it's good to learn from your mistakes. It's it's, it's really good to learn from your mistakes. You know, to learn a a great lesson from the mistakes that you have made. Some people, they don't learn from their mistakes and just keep repeating them. And sometimes do it right through a lifetime. But it's great to learn from your mistakes. I want to give you something better, Okay. It's better to learn from others' mistakes. 
right? It, it, it's better to learn when, when, you know, people, like you watch people, watch their lives, watch the mistakes they make and the consequences that they experience from them, and it's great to learn from others' mistakes and not so much to be learning from your mistakes. Now, when you come to the Bible, I mean, there are great examples. We have great examples. Jesus, of course, is the ultimate example, right? Paul is a great example. Moses is a great example. You're going to Jeremiah, Isaiah, Elijah, right? For the most part, Right? There's all some sins in there. Right, David is a great example with the exception of um, one period in his life. But we get good examples and we can learn. We can learn from the righteous in the Bible. We learn how to live. We learn how to act. We learn how to do. There are also bad examples in the Bible. These are some really bad examples. And we can learn from them of what not to do. Right, How not to live. How not to act how not to do. Now, Numbers is packed with bad examples, right? I'll tell you, Numbers could be called the book of complaining, right? We will come to the fourth book of complaining because the book is filled with complaints. It's, it's filled with rebellion. So you've got a lot of really bad examples in the book of Numbers. I, th- I think more so more so than maybe any book in the New Testament. What would be the great book of bad examples in the New Testament? Corinthians. Yeah. You want to learn what not to do, study the books of First and Second Corinthians. Okay. So we'll focus on three things. Okay, three things in our passage. The first of them, complaining. Okay. And right in the first three verses, now when the people complained... It displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned amongst them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tabirah, because the fire of the Lord had burned amongst them. Okay, the the word for complain is enan. And what it means, I mean, it's a good translation, complaining, mourning, whining, uh, grumbling, Belly aching, griping, yammering. Okay, those are uh, some good synonyms. Okay, of you know of this concept again of anan or complaining. Let me just. I want to ask you this: Does complaining please the Lord? Now look in verse one. It it angered him. Does it improve the situation? It it, it doesn't. Right. It it actually usually makes things worse. Does it make you feel better? Actually, yes, in a, like not always, but in a sick way, right? And it is a, in a sick way, in a kind of an imaginary way, it gives you a sense of control. It's a delusionary sense. It's, it's, it's delusionary. It's like tele, it's, it's temporary medication. You say, watch people complaining. It makes them feel good. Right, they're getting like they're getting an adrenaline rush. Like I'm, you know, they're 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 able to like feel like they're they're back in that we call it the locus of control. Is it productive? Well, it's unproductive, really. Does it does it fix anything? Does it fix anyone? It it doesn't make things better. It's it's really it's it's useless. It's feckless, counterproductive. Uh, it demonstrates in people their incompetence. When I see somebody complaining, I'm usually looking at them and saying, well, this person's in a state of helplessness and powerlessness. So those things. Now, now the scripture warns about complaining. So 
Philippians chapter 2.14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Grumbling can be translated complaining. In James chapter 5 verse 9, it says, do not complain, brethren, against one another so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. In other words, he's right there watching you complain. Now, people start complaining about the church. They're complaining about their brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what that warning is for. I'll show you, I'll show you another one. This kind of this resonates. I mean, I read Proverbs every day. I read a chapter of Proverbs every day. I'm doing a cool, cool thing now. I'm going through Proverbs with highlighters. And so, um, you know, I'll go through and I'll, I'll read all of Proverbs and just cover the mouth. There's lots of verses about the tongue. And I'll, I'll cover verses about righteousness. There's, there's verses about, about money. Um, there, there's verses about responsibility and, you know, being diligent in, you know, in, your, in your life and your work. And um, I'm going through right now, and I really, it, it excites me when I do it every morning. You know, again, it, uh, the word of God excites me. So Proverbs chapter 20, 23, 29 through 30, it says, Who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaints? Uh, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes, those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search for mixed wine. You know, you'll notice this, people with alcohol problems. And you get this with, with people with, with addictions, drug addictions, alcohol, uh, addic- they tend to be the net most negative people in, in the world. And you'll find they, com- they just complain. They complain a lot. Even people, you know, the dry drunk, they're not drinking, but they still have all the attitudes. They're just, you'll find that they're just they're some of the most negative you know, people in the world. So for a a moment here, I want to introduce you. Complaining, okay, has three brothers, okay? And I'm I'm sure you, you know, I'm sure you're you're familiar with them. The first, okay, or sister, uh, is excuses, right? I'm not complaining, I'm being realistic. Have you ever heard that, right? You know, complainers, right, they usually have many excuses for their complaining. I'm not complaining, I'm being realistic. Uh, no, you're complaining. Uh, a second brother, it's their fault, it's always their fault. Complainers blame, they shift responsibility, right? It, it's his fault, her fault, their fault, not me. And the third brother, complaining makes me feel better, right? They justify complaining. By the way, it, it may make you feel better, but it doesn't make anyone else feel better. I mean, is there anyone here who really likes being with people who complain? That you really like, like you, you like to be with a complainer because they make you feel better. Is, is there anybody? There might be some really sick people here tonight. I don't... I don't but is there anybody who just, you love being with somebody complaining? You just, oh, look, I, you know, I just want to be with you because you're just going to be throwing up and complaining all over me tonight. But do you like spending time with complainers? Hey, let's hang out tonight. I just want to hear you complain about your life. Let's go out to dinner. You know, I just want to hear you bellyache about your, you know, your family or your, you know, your vocation. Just, does anybody like it? Right? Wait, we, 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 I think, I don't know about you, but, man, I see caution signs when, you know, complainers ahead. Right? Just, it's like, it's like I have a sign, caution, caution, caution. It just, it just goes off. So, let, let's look at this. So, you've got a problem with complaining. And complaining becomes a habit. 
Some people just, they're chronic complainers. They, it's, 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 hab, it's a habit. It's basically been formed and forged in their subconscious mind. They literally have, like, you know, I shared with you about neurotransmitters and how they work. They have a chain that just fires. And they just, and, and even when they don't have anything to complain about, they'll find something to complain about. So I, I want to suggest solutions. Because in, instead of complaining, become solution-oriented. So you know, I, I, I've shared this with you, an illustration that I use. Life is a garden, okay? And what we're doing is we, we should be growing things. So we're, we're growing, right, ourselves in Christ. There's things we read the Word to be fed, we you know, exercise, we train ourselves in spiritual things. But we, we should be growing ourselves in, in Christ spiritually. Growing a marriage, growing a family, growing children, growing a career, growing a portfolio. Like there's, there's multiple gardens that we operate in on a, you know, on a daily basis. We're, we, we're growing, we're hopefully growing things. But in the, in the process of growing the garden, right, you're growing peppers and cucumbers and tomatoes. And um, there's a problem, right? There's, there's challenges because the insects come and, you know, they're eating your peppers, right? They're destroying your peppers. The weeds are growing and they're choking, right, the tomatoes. And you've got varmints, right, gophers and groundhogs. And they come in and they're eating your tomatoes. That's reality. Whatever you're growing, we live in a fallen world with Satan and his hordes. And they're going to come and attack everything that's good. They're going to they're try to keep you and essentially retard your growth spiritually. They'll, you know, they'll try to destroy your marriage, your family, you know, the things that are really precious to you. So here we are in the garden, and what you have is you have three types of people. Uh, one type of person is a person who basically is just in denial. And so they kind of pass themselves off as being very positive. You meet this person, they're positive thinkers. And they're like, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine. There's no gophers, there's no weeds, there's no bugs, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's not fine! Everything's not fine. You're, you're delusional. And they, they, again, they live in denial, denying that, again, there are weeds, there are bugs, and um, there are gophers. Then, on the other extreme, you have the person who is just, again, the complainer, the negative person, and they just whine and complain. And they're frozen. They just complain and complain and complain. They complain about the gophers. Oh, the gophers are destroying my tomatoes. They, the weeds are, are choking my, my cucumbers, right? The bugs are eating my pepper. And they complain and complain and complain. They don't do anything about it. And then you have the person who is really empowered. And that's a solution-oriented person. So the solution-oriented person looks at the situation and they bring solutions to it. So in, in, instead of complaining, instead of denying, they'll look and, okay, they'll pull out the weeds. They get down on their knees and get dirty and pull out the weeds. They'll get a pesticide and they'll, you know, kill the bugs. In fact, I, I, I had a 
I had a garden, for, I had a big garden for years. It taught me a lot. Let me tell you, it taught me a lot about life. One of the greatest lessons I've ever learned was having a garden. I grew everything, grew everything, different, different seasons, you know, different, you know, vegetables and fruits. And um, one year, slugs infested the garden. And they were destroying my crops, these slimy, slippery, nasty little slugs. And so, me, not seeking wisdom, I decided that, you know what salt does to a slug? It melts it. So I put salt all over my garden. The problem was, the next day, all my vegetables were covered with slime. So then I learned, you know how you get rid of slugs in a garden? Beer. You take little cups, right? You cut the cup in half and you put beer in it. And then you put it in the ground. And they're notorious alcoholics who love beer. And they go in, they go into the, to the container and they drown themselves in the beer. You know, they have a good time for a few minutes. That's usually what alcohol does. And then eventually it kills you. So that's what it does to the... <laughs> but you bring solutions. Because just complaining and whining about it or ignoring it doesn't, doesn't do anything. So you want to become a solution-oriented person. So let me just give you something here. We all have issues, right? We all have gophers. We all have weeds. Right? We're all dealing at times with, with bugs. Life is every day. It's a, you know, it's a battle. It's a challenge. Here are, are some solutions that the Word of God gives us. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 6. Pray. Pray for wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. He wants to impart wisdom to you. What happened? We lost our screen? Follow me here. Are we have, do we have people in the sound room there? Trying to get it back. Okay, I'm going I'm to read the scripture to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So just, just praying, I think a prayer is much better than complaining. And ask God for wisdom. Ask him for wisdom of how to deal with the situation. Second, second solution here, Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans go awry, astray. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established, right? You're, you're dealing with something. Instead of complaining, get some counsel. You've got a lot of wise people in the body of Christ. I have a, the privilege of dealing with wise people all day. And um, it's just, it's a wonderful interaction when you're dealing with people who are operating in wisdom instead of foolishness. So, you know, you just find some people and, you know, find some people to gain counsel. It doesn't mean they have to be a counselor. They don't need to be a Christian counselor. There's, you know, it, it tells us in, in Romans 14 that we are all competent to counsel. If we are filled with the Spirit and we're in the Word, that we're competent to impart wisdom. You know, some of you young people, go to some of the older people in the church. You'll be amazed at the wisdom that you find. So, you know, you go and you seek counsel. A third thing is plan. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Come up with a game plan to, again, solve the problem. The thing you're complaining about. You know, develop, develop a strategy. Develop a, a, a plan. You're dealing with, you know, a health issue. You're dealing with a relational issue. You're dealing with a spiritual issue. 
you know, again, you're seeking God, you're seeking counsel, come up with a game plan to deal with it. James 4.17, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him is sin. Do something about it. Right? In, instead of complaining about it and just showing that you're totally disempowered and helpless, right? do something about it. Take action okay, to, to fix the solution. And listen, if you're in a place, because there are some things you can't fix, now, we can, we can whine and complain about Washington all we want. You ain't going to do anything about it. The only opportunity you have to do anything about it is when you go to the, uh, right, the, the election booth. But, you know, pe- people whine and complain and complain and complain. And I've, 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 I've fallen into that. It's, it, and again, I've come to the realization it's totally fle- it's feckless. It's useless. So do what you can do. And if there's nothing you can do, then you, you come to Proverbs chapter 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You're just going to, some things you're not going to fix, some people you're not going to fix, some problems you're not going to fix. You need to trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on, uh, and lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. But there's just some, there's some things that are totally out of my control that I can do nothing about. And you know what? Complaining about it isn't going to help it. And that's why I just need to trust in the Lord. Now, I, I want to share something. How many of you have ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? It's one of my top ten. It may be number five right now. Sue and I watched it probably, well, maybe for me, the 15th time the other night. Right, we watched it on Groundhog Day. It's kind of a, a ritual. And um, it's about a guy, right? He's, he's living the same. He's living Groundhog Day over and over again. And he's an angry Right, he's Bill Murray, miserable, complaining guy. He, he continues every day, just makes the same mistakes over and over again. The same mistakes with people, right? Steps into the same icy puddle every day. And, and again, he's, he's just, he, he's, he's miserable. He's miserable. He's grumbling, uh, complaining. Then he, he gets, reaches such a place of despair, he's trying to kill himself. And he can't kill himself, because every time he kills himself, he wakes up at 6 o'clock in the morning... And he's got to live the same day over and over again. Now, he finally decides that he's going to take responsibility for his life. That he's, he's going to change. Right? He can't change what's around him. He's going to change himself. He's going to get better. And so every day now, he tries to improve himself. He tries to make him, he's, he works on improving his attitude. He works on improving his, uh, the way he relates to people. He even, right, takes up the piano and ice sculpting. But he's, he, you know, it's a term that, that we use, can I? Continuous and never-ending improvement. That's a worthwhile philosophy to adopt for your life. The Japanese call it kezian. Where's John? It's John here, he's somewhere but Kezian is, is the concept of, again, totally working, improving yourself. Every day, every day you want to get better. Every day you want to make it a better day. So he, he decides that this is how he is going to live. And then what happens is, not only does he make himself better, but he begins to make the world around him better. So he, he, he saves the mayor's life when he's choking. He catches the kid that falls out of the tree who doesn't say thank you. He, he wins the girl that he loves, right? He wins her heart. 
He couldn't do that in the, in the state that he was in, right, at the beginning, but he, he changes himself. So I want to, again, in, in light of the issues that go on in life, the challenges that go on in life, and the negative stuff that goes on in life, here's a, here's a, a challenge for you, and that is make every day a GHD, a Groundhog Day. Why don't you try it? Right, honey? I'm trying. Sometimes I get to the day. In fact, it was just the other day. I had such a day. It was, at least to me, it was almost perfect. But then at about 8 o'clock at night, my wife said to me, when I make my protein drink in the morning, sometimes I scatter the turmeric and the green powder and and the protein powder and all the other powders. <laughs> and she said, you didn't clean up your mess. And it wasn't her, but it was me. It ruined my day. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> it's just, I tr tried to try. I watched that movie the last time. I said, you know what? That's a great way to live. Because every day I'm going to try to improve myself. I'm going I'm to try to be more loving, I'm going to try to be more kind. I'm going to try to be more cat compassionate. I'm going to try to listen to people better. Um, I'm going to try to control, right, what I can control. And every day, just improving a little bit. And uh, you make it a groundhog day. Instead of, again, what most people do, and that is complain. Had the Israelites saw Groundhog Day, it might have been very different for them. All right, second, second point, lust, okay? Uh, it, it's, it's basically, they, they were craving, right? They're, they're craving the world. They're craving Egypt. And um, what it tells us in Numbers 11, right, that they yielded to intense craving. The word is tava in Hebrew, and it's, it's not I'm hungry. It's not, you know, I, I need to eat dinner, I need to have a, you know, a little snack. I need to have my protein bar. You know, my blood sugar's off a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm going to have some peanut butter on a cracker. That's not what they're doing. This is them looking back to the old life. They're looking back to Egypt, where they were slaves. Okay? And they're looking back and saying, remember the fish? They're, 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 they're lusting after the fish of the Nile. They're lusting after cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. And what you have here is, this is a typology of people, right? And this could be a typology of people in the church who lust after the world. They lust after the old life. You have people, oh, you know, remember what it was like, man? Remember when we used to party? Remember when we used to go, we used to go hang out at the bar and get drunk? Remember, remember the, I've had people like, remember the drugs? Oh, man, one, one guy, and I, I think I've shared this story with you, very close to me, used to tell me about, man, his, his use of heroin. And tell me how, how, I mean, how incredible it was. And, I mean, he used to, he used to use an example. Like this, this was like, this still had a hold on it. He didn't let this go. And he went back and used, and he died. And I believe God took him home. Wasn't going to lose him again. But that's, it's, just, it, it's, it's the lust and, and the craving for the, the, things, the things of the world. They can't let go of it. 
So, you, you know, when, when I hear testimonies, I'm going to give a testimony. I'm like, I'd like to know a little bit about your testimony because what you get with most testimonies is 15 minus, 55 minutes of them glorifying their sin, right? Sexual sin, drugs, you know, alcohol, violence. They glorify it, and then they're going to talk about Jesus. For, and, then Jesus and then I gave my life to Jesus, and he came in and he forgave me. No, you know what it should be? It should be five minutes of your sin and 55 minutes of Jesus. That's what, that's, that's what I believe. You know, just, uh, but, you know, Paul talks about him being a chief sinner. Paul, Paul talks about his, you know, his sin. But Paul talks about Jesus all the time. You know, it was 99% to one. But, um, again, that's just that, 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 that craving for the world. Jesus said in Luke chapter 962, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What are you talking about? You, 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 you can't be fit for the kingdom of God and be looking back at the world. Second Peter chapter 2, 21 and 22, for it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says uh, has happened to them, the dog returns to its own vomit and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Do you, know, you know, understand, you ever see a dog throw up and it goes and eats its puke? Right, pretty gross. And the picture is of a pig, right? The so the pig, you know, washes itself in water and then it goes jumping back in the slop. And that's that's the picture here of people who have been exposed to the gospel, right? They've been exposed to it, maybe they've got a little taste of it, but then they go back, they go back into the world. And again, they're looking back. So remember Sodom and Gomorrah when the angel in Genesis 19:17 said, don't look back lest you be swept away. Who looked back? Yeah, right, 1926, but Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. You see that, that, that those rocks? That's called Lot's wife in Israel. <laughs> so you get down on the, you get down on the, uh, you know, down by the Dead Sea, that's called, you know, it's, we don't know if it's wife, but it's kind of funny. First time that was shown to me by the guide. I mean, you see, we all sat there and chuckled. Philippians 3.13 uh, and 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. When I, I, I was giving you an overview of numbers when I started. If faith, you sent me this. Do you remember that? You sent it to me. I didn't use it. And, um, but it, I'll tell you, it's, it, this verse, you, wanna, you want a verse for sound mental health? You've got to let go. Right? You, you, can't, you can't be looking back and, you know, and, and, and expecting to be enjoying the blessings of God. So it's it's letting go and, and, and you know and pressing on forward. There's a um, I hear people like, oh man, remember those days? Those were the good old days. Remember those remember those days at Living Word. Remember remember those remember those days back you know back then. Well, these are the good old days. You know, was it Carly Simon? Anticipation. Want me to sing it for you? Right. Anticipation. Anticipation, right, is making me late. 
It's keeping me waiting. And she goes on and she says, these are the good old days. These are the good old days. Like we, we have the good old days right now. You know, live them out. You know, Bruce Springsteen, glory days, right? Same thing, glory days, right? The baseball player, what it was like in high school. I see, I see people, right, that I grew up with, they're still living in high school. Like, man, you, you got to let it go. Like, what, what have you been doing the last 40 years? You know, it's just, you're, you're, they're still living in the high school. I mean, they, they're still, they're still like, like talking about girls in high school. They're not girls anymore. <laughs> it's crazy. Man, you're sick, man. Let, you know, let this go. This, guy, this one guy I talked to, he, said, he says to me, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw one of the, girl, I saw one of the girls in high school. Then he, went, he, says, he goes, she's really hot. And she's 64 years old, man. You got to let it go. So that's, you, you can't live, you can't live life, right? Riding through the car, looking through the rearview mirror. And that's, and again, that's what the Israelites were doing, right? There's a, um, a message, sometimes you, you'll get it from me. You know, people say, have a nice day, right? Have a good day. The message I send out is make it a great day. Instead of just waiting for something nice, make it. Make it a great day. Jesus gives you all kinds of things you can be doing to make it a great day. Reach out and touch somebody, love somebody, call somebody, right? Just show love, right, to, to somebody. You can make it a great day. All right, last, last point, last point. Rejection of God's provision. So what they say in verse 6 is, but now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes, right? They, they, they don't want the manna. They're sick of manna, right? It's just manna pancakes, manna bagels, right? Manna waffles, manna burgers, and as Keith Green says, filet of manna. And, you know, they just, and in the Bible, manna is a typology of who? Of Jesus. It's, it's, it's a typology. Of, you ever see people? Folks, I've seen this too many times. They get tired of Jesus. And some of you are sitting there right now, and you're, you know, look, you're diehards. You're, you're, you know, you're committed. You're here on a Wednesday night. And you're having a hard time processing that, as, as I do. How could you ever get tired of Jesus? How could you ever get tired of his word? They get tired. They get tired of Jesus. They get tired of his word. They get tired of worshiping him. They get tired of serving him. They get, they get tired of praying to him. And this is why, again, this rejection of manna is a, is a typology. Now, you go to the New Testament, you go to John chapter 6, you have New, New Testament comparison to Numbers 11. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. Right? Here's the comparison. And are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Now watch, watch the reaction in John chapter 6, verse 60 through 66. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? By the way, notice they're rejecting his word. 
And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, okay, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. Notice again the, the, the connection with the Word and the Spirit. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were and who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless the Father, uh, unless uh, it be granted to him by my Father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They rejected him. And it goes on in verse 67 through 69. It says, Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? And watch what Peter said. For you have the words of eternal life. He wasn't saying, Hey, I'm inviting you into cannibalism that you're going to eat my body. And again, I think if you know what transubstantiation is in a Catholic church, that the actual bread becomes the, the actual body of Christ. Right, this was, this, this was given before the Lord instituted the Lord's Supper. He's talking about his word. His word is alive. His word is spirit. It's, it's, very, I mean, it's very simple when you, know, when you look at that. And so Peter goes on and he says, Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But rejection of the manna is again a typology, okay, of rejection of Jesus Christ and his word. So keynotes here, key things. One is a simple message. Don't complain. Don't complain. Bring, bring and really work on becoming solution-oriented. Second is don't, don't look back. The, 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 it's gone, right? The old is gone, the new has come. We're a new creation in Christ. That, that, that world, I'm going back, this is, this is garbage for gold, folks. It's, it's, it's garbage and you're now experiencing gold. And then the, the, the third is, be grateful for God's manna. They weren't grateful. They were ungrateful. And I say to you that, that you know, here's, here's my prayer of thanksgiving from this morning. But um, Tony and Jessica gave me, they gave me a journal a year ago, and then you gave me a new one this Christmas, and I'm in it. But I filled um, the journal. And this is, I write out this prayer. I think of you guys and pray for you when I open that journal. And so if you give me something that I use, I'll pray for you all the time. I'm not kidding. I don't just... <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for taking my place on the cross. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your, um, for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your provisions. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for convicting me of my sins and disciplining me. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your kindness, for your presence, for lifting me up when I fall. Thank you for your wisdom, your knowledge, your church, and the companions that you have surrounded me with. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I then thank him for my family. I thank him for other things. But just every day, be thankful for the manna he has given you. You've been given a privilege. Folks, how many people you meet every day and you can share the gospel with them until you're blue in the face and they don't have a clue. There's something very mysterious about all of this. Thank you, Lord. Who am I right, for what God has done in my life? 
Amen. Okay, worship team, come up. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord God, we thank you for your word. Impress it upon our hearts, Lord God. Let us not just walk out of here and just go right back, Lord. If, we, if, we've, if we've had a complaining issue, Lord, Lord, imprint this message upon us. Let us, Lord God, really begin to put into practice thanksgiving, Lord God, appreciation, Lord God, being solution-oriented, Lord God, about things that, Lord, we would normally complain about. And Lord God, I just pray that it would bring you great honor and that it would be pleasing to you. All for your glory, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You can stand with me when um, the worship team finishes in our final song. Len will lead us in a final uh, close in prayer. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Lord, for your holy words. So good. So rich. Full of truth and life. Thank you, Lord. As we sing this last song, the altars are open if you'd like to come up and spend a little time in prayer before we go into prayer. You know, we haven't sung this song in quite some time. Um, and when I first heard this, this is actually, uh, wow, 1993, 30 years ago. I was in a pretty rough place in my life, and uh, there's a line in here that says, For the wrongs we have done, and the wrongs done to us, we're nailed there with him, there at the cross. So as we sing this, if there are things that are burdening you that perhaps you've done to others, or you feel like you've been wrong, just know that it's been nailed to the cross. Just leave it there at the foot of the cross.
place we can go and lay our burdens down, knowing they were born by you, Lord. Praise your holy name, Lord. Be glorified this night, Lord, in our lives. Father, we ask that you'd help us remember what we've learned tonight. So much truth. Remind us when we go beyond these walls, Lord, to be able to share your love with others. These precious truths of your grace and your mercy, Lord. Let every day be a groundhog day in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you.